Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the need for inclusive sex education. So, what exactly is inclusive sex ed? Why is it so important? Well, inclusive sex education covers information that meets the need of LGBTQ youth, as well as heterosexual and cisgender youth, including topics like gender, gender identity, and sexual orientation. Currently, according to a survey conducted by the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network Research Institute's National School Climate Survey, 8.2% of students who received sex education in school said it was LGBTQ inclusive. The majority of the sex ed curriculum in many states is heteronormative and cisnormative. When it comes to the prevalence and seriousness of this issue, a nationwide survey discovered that only 4% of LGBTQ youth in middle and high school report having any positive conversation about LGBTQ people or issues in their health classes, according to AmericanProgress.com. These conversations are essential because they're the key towards abolishing the heteronormative perspective in our current society. By excluding the LGBTQ youth in sex education, it inevitably leads to perpetuated stigmas, harmful school environments, confusion about both safe sex and healthy relationships, higher risks for things like STDs and unintended, unintended pregnancies, and even higher rates of dating or sexual violence. In contrast, a curriculum that promotes the acceptance of LGBTQ students has been shown to be a successful way to reduce homophobia and harmful stereotypes. In addition to that, sex education that is not inclusive of the LGBTQ plus community can increase higher rates of substance abuse and depression, which are all caused due to exclusion, stigma, and discrimination of their peers, social institutions such as school or hospitals, etc. Um, as Juliana previously mentioned, um, there are increased rates of HIVs and SDIs and higher pregnancy rates when there isn't um, safe sex education that involve that includes the LGBTQ plus community. Um, higher pregnancy rates are usually in young women who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Um, in addition to that, higher risk of coercion and dating violence are really common in young women who have been in a relationship with both male and female partners. Uh, higher rates of sexual violence are common in transgender and gender non-conforming youth of color. So it is imperative to include safe sex education that is also inclusive of the LGBTQ plus community as it is vital for their mental and physical health. So you might have heard about what's going on in Florida. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has signed the Don't Say Gay policy, which prohibits public school teachers who teach kindergarten through third grade in the state of Florida from any discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity. NPR articles state, during a press conference ahead of the signing the law, DeSantis said teaching kindergarten age kids that they can be whatever they want to be was inappropriate for children. He said it's not something that's appropriate for any place, but especially not in Florida. The policy name also portrays the LGBTQ community in an extremely negative light. And when a bill like this is passed by Congress, it holds more weight. Not only does this policy perpetuate negative stigmas about being part of the LGBTQ community, but it also will more likely add to the suicide and depression rates within LGBTQ youth. 
it feels like a big step backwards for LGBTQ rights. So what impact does non-inclusive sex education have on LGBTQ students who are likely forgotten in the current curriculum? Besides creating undue pressure on young people to conform to the societal standards that they learn about in school, the lack of information on gender identity and safe sex practices for all types of partnerships can worsen health outcomes for LGBTQ students. Now let's jump into our first interview with Anthony Rotendero, a 20-year-old male who identifies as gay. He grew up in a small town in Long Island, New York, and in this interview, he shares with us his personal experiences growing up as gay, what his experience with sex education was, and how it has influenced him today. Here's that interview. Okay, so today I'm here with my friend Anthony, who I went to high school with. We've been friends for a very long time. I would like to thank him for joining us today and um, letting us interview him. Hey, guys. My first question is, how was your experience growing up as part of the LGBTQ community in high school? And even through middle school, what was your experience when it came to life at school? Growing up, I was just like labeled gay before I even had like an opportunity to like figure out what that was for myself but like it was just like when people were saying stuff like that to me like oh like he's gay like he's girly all that type of stuff it just like had like that negative connotation to it where it's just like something's wrong with me so I feel like most of like my middle school and like partially like high school because I started coming out of my cell more in high school felt like I was just like wearing a mask Quite honestly, I was like, let me try to fit in with the hetero. Didn't really work out in the long run. In high school, did you ever feel like you had either a counselor or like a teacher or someone you could go to if you ever had a problem or were you more just kind of on your own? I mean, like there probably was. There is like just a lot of like older kids specifically that were just like more like homophobic or just like it would just make me like feel fearful sometimes. So I'm just, like, on, like, my P's and Q's or making sure there's no slips or cracks. Anything the school would do is just, like, you would hear, like, if it's, like, an assembly, they're, like, laughing or, like, snickering or something. They weren't, like, really doing anything that would have changed the attitude or in the school. So it's, like, you can offer the resources. If someone doesn't feel comfortable using the resources, like, there's no point in having them. When it comes to health class and sex ed, how was your experience and how inclusive was it? <laughs> um... I mean, where the fuck was the sex ed? Oh, wait. I just... I swore. Okay. I'll just bleep it out. No, but, like, where was the sex ed? It was nowhere in existence. And I just remember a little, like, sixth grade, like, seminar where it was, like, girls, this is what a period is. Guys, this is what puberty is. And it out, stick a deodorant. And that was that. <laughs> if it was taught, it probably would have touched on, like, maybe, like, gay stuff. Or like LGBTQ stuff, but I don't think it would have been given the thought that it needed. How do you think that health educators would be able to improve sex ed in schools? And how can this be made more inclusive and what would that look like? It's an interesting question, especially with what's going on in Florida right now. It's something that absolutely should be taught in schools, but obviously there's always parents that are like, no, I don't want my kid doing that. So they can perpetuate their, like, homophobic views that they don't think are homophobic. Fake their allyship. Just really being homophobic, I guess. I think it's something that should be, like, brought up in schools, absolutely. If I had known what that was before I was being called that, and then it was, like, 
socially like formed in my head to like think of that being gay as like something bad and then you see how like people or like kids talk about like gayness or whatever like whenever they see it it's like they are like ugh, whatever and they get that from the parents but maybe if something in school had been like there i would have been like okay what about it do you think that when sex was first discussed if it was inclusive from the beginning do you think that kids would have less of a negative view towards what it means to be gay and actually understand that it's not negative at all and it's just normal? I mean, for sure. Uh, whether it's, like, realistic, though, because there's always going to be, like, especially, like, people in, like, the government, because they tend to be, like, more... Uh, well, they have to be, like, more somewhat, like... Uh, how do I put this? more approachable i guess like they have to like look good like in their positions so they're gonna like try to please the most people they can a lot of parents are like well no it's like sexualizing your kid or whatever but i feel like if you introduce it it's not necessarily all about sex more like an identity thing where it's like that's just like who a person is how did you first i mean with the absence of sex education how did you learn about what sex for I mean, the LGBTQ community is. I remember, like, specifically, like, on the block that I grew up, because, like, you always have, like, the kids in your neighborhood that, like, you grow up with. They were specifically, because they were also older, the ones that would, like, first make fun of me. And then from there, I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what that is. Um, but I'm going to play with Barbie over here. So before we wrap up, just to kind of close on, what do you think that could be done individually to make steps in the right direction from the perspective of a health educator it would really just be like the way that they teach it how they come off because like if you have like a homophobic health teacher the person that's like teaching you like it in like a formal setting you want to feel like comfortable with them specifically like they should definitely be an ally if you're curious about like that stuff you shouldn't feel like if you go and ask your teacher that, like, you would be, like, ashamed or, like, you would feel uncomfortable asking them. The teacher should just always make sure, like, make it a point that, like, they would always, like, stick up for their underrepresented students. Obviously, the heteros are, like, in majority in the schools. Like, that's just, like, the norm. Like, if I was in school and we were, like, doing that and, like, I knew my teacher was cool, I was like, okay. And then, like, maybe I could actually get something more out of it as opposed to just, like, okay, she breathed over it. Like, that's it instead of like asking questions thank you for letting me interview you of course and i'm very very excited that we got to hear your experience excited to have shared it so what are some of the benefits of inclusive sex ed well most importantly it allows everyone not just straight cisgender students to learn about sex and have their own thoughts and feelings about sex kids are more comfortable asking their parents questions about sex and they also learn other communication skills that are needed for healthy consensual relationships. Since the conversation about safe sex is applicable to everyone, kids are less likely to take sexual risks and more likely to have better sexual health outcomes. Without inclusive sex ed, young people are far less likely to consistently use contraception and practice safe sex. Inclusive sex ed can be extremely beneficial, but sadly, when it comes to women's perspectives, the experiences of having inclusive sex ed are really few and far between. 
There are very few states that have policies requiring inclusive sex ed, and in some of those states, heterosexual marriage is still emphasized. In fact, this is the case for almost half of the U.S. where straight relationships are actively encouraged and promoted. Eight states still have discriminatory sex ed practices toward the LGBTQ community, and over half of the states still stress abstinence. In these states, young women will hear messages that instill fear about same-sex attraction, including messages that only sex between a married, heterosexual couple is safe, or that any same-sex experimentation and attraction is discouraged. Our next interview is with Breesty. Breesty is a 21-year-old college student who identifies as a queer woman. Breesty goes by she-slash-they pronouns and is a huge advocate for diversity in healthcare and media. In her interview, Breesty discusses the sex education in school and what changes can be done in an institutional level. All right, so this is the part of the podcast. I'm Nandita, and I'm going to be interviewing one of my friends. Hi, my name is Brishti. All right, Brishti, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a fourth-year psychology major at Penn State, and I am very passionate about the arts, dance, singing, um, and also advocacy, such as in healthcare. Um, that's what I would like to go into. All right, Brishti, what is your sexual identity? My sexual identity is queer or gay. All right, so for our We Advocacy Project, this is the project that we were doing through our biobehavioral health class, we focused on safe sex education in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions about that, your experience in terms of sex education. So first up, we're going to be talking about how was your experience growing up as a middle schooler and high schooler as a member of the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah. Um, so I feel like they there was not a lot of health classes in general until high school and where we had to take a mandatory health class. And that health class basically focused on the basics that are taught in most high schools, which are reproduction, some anatomy, some basic wellness, and that's about it. Um, there was obviously not much about sex education in general, um, and definitely not queer sex ed, um, which I've come to learn is not at all common in most high schools. So um, yeah, most of what I know I taught myself. I think I was exposed to a lot of information early on because of the internet, um, and I know a lot of other queer people um, learned about health and safe sex in general through websites like Tumblr and just overall the internet. So that's where I got most of my information. So it's definitely like social media really had like an impact on us in terms of like sex education. We never got to learn like, you know, what is healthy, what is correct, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like some, like even now in college over the years, I'd learned some stuff just by watching TV shows. Um, like I had no idea what a dental dam was until I saw one on a TV show. And then obviously in college, there's a little bit more um, sex education or resources available, especially at a large place like Penn State. Um, but yeah, sometimes I just didn't really know anything until I saw it in media, I feel. Yeah. I th- uh, based on like what I've looked at, it seems like the, the lack of sex education really does like impact the overall health, especially uh, people part of the LGBTQ plus community. You know, they're more susceptible to you know domestic violence and sexual violence. 
So what do you think we could do to improve like education in like institution levels? So I like myself have also done a little bit of research on this topic, just on my own in college and also also part of classes like this one. Um, unless you start having LGBTQ inclusive sex and health education, you can't really expect them to um, individual part of the community to know exactly what safe sex practices or even safe living practices are. And because much um, sexual practices and also healthcare for queer individuals can be different, um, you need to have inclusivity. So that starts off with basic sex education and then also queer sex education. And that should just be the norm in schools. And that starts at the state level and the like state mandates, yeah. So whenever you had sex education in school, you didn't feel it was adequate at all. It was kind of just like a general idea of like, all right, this is what sex is, and here's periods, you're gonna get pregnant, stuff like that. I think what's actually interesting is that the high school health class didn't really have sex education. I think the last time I had sex education was fifth grade when they taught us like anatomy structures and like overall, like a little bit in middle school, I guess about like, the sperm and the egg, right, mm -hmm. pregnancy, um, but we didn't really have much in high school, which is interesting. Um, so no, it's not adequate at all. And I know for a fact that like, because many states don't require mandated, even sex education, let, in a, let alone inclusive sex education, that it's not surprising I wasn't taught much. Do you think any time down the line this might change in our education systems? Yeah, um, from what I've heard, like some states have started including like mandating normal sex education and hopefully that includes inclusive sex education uh, this would also include things like women's health and like other issues that overlap with sexual health right because there are different minority groups that are like disproportionately affected so i hope that it would change and i think it is because more states are hoping to mandate overall health education and that includes like safe sex practices all right um I guess that's all I have for you. Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you so much for popping up. No problem. All right. Currently, inclusive sex education is only required in California, Colorado, New Jersey, Oregon, Washington, Rhode Island, and the District of Columbia. However, if you did not grow up in these states, it is not the end of the world. There are a copious amount of resources that help members of the LGBTQ plus community seek the resources they deserve. Programs like Answer by Rutgers and the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network allow students to find resources regarding safe sex as well as workshops they can participate in. Some other sources include Planned Parenthood, Teen Intimacy, Respectability, and many more. All of these organizations promote inclusive sex education programs.